tonight, we have the privilege of hearing Larry Quigley, who's going to talk on our insurance needs. Larry tells me that he's been in the insurance business for 37 years, and uh, I know that he's a professional with a lot of experience and expertise in insurance, so I'm sure you'll find this well. And Reed acknowledges that he's been playing racquetball for 40 years, so I think that's even more impressive that you can do that for 40 years, so congratulations. May I start with just a word of prayer? Father God, we're so grateful to uh, be covered by your blood and your protection, and we know that you're the God of assurance for us, that you've provided a clear and definite path to know and reside with you always. And Father, we're just so grateful for your provision through Christ Jesus for that eternal life. Now, Lord, we ask that you would uh, provide through Larry wisdom for us on this earth in terms of protecting ourselves and protecting our loved ones and those who we would, uh, uh, I don't want to say run into, but those who would be a part of our lives, Father. We just ask for your wisdom and uh, your guidance on on the words spoken tonight, and we thank you for this opportunity to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And Larry will speak into the mic, I guess, because we're being recorded. So. Being recorded, this uh, could be serious. Well, I'm so glad for this large crowd tonight because uh, I was kind of nervous coming in because uh, I got to tell you that... Uh, I have to give a disclaimer here, and that is uh, that I have been out of the insurance business since 2001. And, of course, there hasn't been much technology in the last 10 or 15 years anyway. But uh, so I may be a little out of touch, but actually, basically, uh, I got to say one of my best friends and some of you I don't, you know him, Dave. You remember Don Rich, Don and Sarah Rich? Well, Don Rich used to say my favorite uh, hymn was Blessed Insurance. And uh, he was kind of dry humor guy. But uh, my other disclaimer is that uh, what I talk about tonight is basically going to be my personal philosophy on insurance. And I guess I've been playing racquetball 37 years, honey, because I, I didn't play racquetball before I went in the insurance business. But uh, I wouldn't, you know, three years, what's three years, you know? 37 years in the insurance business, and the, and the thing about that is that I had about 15 jobs before that. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I just want to give you a little contrast first of ins the insurance business. Uh, in the early days of insurance, in my experience of insurance, my first car, I was 14. I had a 39 Plymouth. I paid $49 for my 39 Plymouth and $49 for my first six months insurance. And uh, I didn't have insurance for the next 10 years after that. <laughs> so I'm not really a... a, a a good uh, example of insurance. But anyway, I just say that to say how things have evolved over the years. It's amazing to me. When I went into the insurance business in 1966, uh, you, what you did to get an insurance license was send $10 to the state. And uh, they sent you a license in the mail. And so thankfully, that was probably a good thing because uh, it took me about 10 years to pass some of these tests they got now. They got some pretty strict tests. Now, uh, I was 29 years old when I went into the insurance business. And I went to work for AAA Insurance. And as I said, what the requirements of the license was, and back in those days... They had a little rate book about that, about like a little notebook that you'd have now. And in the, the, some of the rules were that you couldn't, you could only write Caucasians. So as you can see, you know, just in that, that hadn't been that many years ago. 
but so the insurance business has changed. And uh, when I started out for car insurance, the uh, requirements for liability insurance were what they call 5, 10, and 5. You all know what that is, right? $5,000 for, for uh, property da- uh, $5,000 for pro- bodily injury liability, a maximum of 10000 So if you had an accident that was 25000 you're already 15000 in the hole. The, last, the other 5000 was for property damage liability. Stayed that way for 15 years. And finally, the legislature having so many problems with things like this as cars got more expensive. They had they changed the liability limits to 25, 50, and 25. When I left, uh, mine was 250, 500, and 100. And, and you still, Dave and I talked about the other day, all of us probably in this room need a, an umbrella policy which uh, goes over that up to usually a million dollars, you can get more if you want to. Chances are you'll never need it, but those who have experienced those things, and every once in a while you see something in the, in the news where somebody has an accident and it's uh, uh, of a consequence, they don't have enough revenue to take care of it. So uh, this is, has to do with car insurance and uh at that time, there was no mandatory insurance. Most people didn't, you know, I don't, I don't say most people. A large percentage of people did not carry car insurance. And uh, as Omaha grew, the more it grew, the more accidents you have. So finally, the legislature, in their wisdom, after all those years, decided mandatory insurance, which is a good thing. Of course, in the early days of mandatory insurance, people would go in and say, I want, I'd like to get insurance, get my proof of insurance card, and they pay, uh, uh, can I pay a month? And some companies would take a month's insurance and charge them by the month. So they had to change that because their card was for six months, so they just wouldn't pay, and then they wouldn't have insurance. So they've changed that a lot. That's been changed. A lot of that has been changed. And we're finally getting to the point where people are responsible. And as I prepared this tonight, I just I know that with everybody I see, I know every one of you to a certain extent. And uh, I know that uh, I'm a good speaker because I've put one lady to sleep already. But anyway, uh, what I wanted to say... Uh, and, uh, of course, Rita, she's tired anyway. But uh, what I wanted to say is this. There is, there's, all of us in this room are responsible. I, I, t- I just look around, I see you're responsible. So what I'm doing here tonight is kind of preaching to the choir. So that's enough about car insurance, because I know you all have car insurance. You all probably have adequate car insurance. And uh, I know some of you do. Well, I guess... I don't even see any of my old clients. Well, I do too. Dave is here. Dave's one of my old clients. Not old clients. I mean, he was a client when I was in the business. And I forgot to say when we started, I am very privileged to have David choose me. I know he knows a lot of insurance agents. And for him to ask me to come and speak on insurance very uh, makes me, uh, well, humbled in, in, in a certain extent. But anyway, uh, how things have changed over the years. And it begins, I just believe that it boils, uh, the insurance, all our insurance boils down to responsibility. And, uh, and I, uh, there again, I see here, everybody in the, I can see in this room is very responsible. And I wish that everybody in Omaha was, uh, that we would be an example of everybody in Omaha. We're not. Because there's still a lot of people that drive around without insurance. There's a lot of people that don't have life insurance. Some people don't even have home insurance. And uh, it's just a sad thing. Now, uh, it boils down to taking responsibility. And then 
your own personal needs, your family needs. As I look out here, I was hoping that there would be some young folks here tonight that really need to have some of these principles. Uh, 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 Keenan, I wasn't, no, I, I met teeny bopper, you know, the 20s type people that really need to, you know, get zeroed in on what to do as a plan. And uh, I, the, the things change over the years. And uh, if you have a family, you know you need you got to have a responsibility. You need to have that responsibility, and and most of us do. Have uh, I wonder if you've ever heard the little cliche, being insurance? I'm insurance poor. Have you ever heard that? Well, uh, I heard that many times over my career, and that can be true. But there is another side of the coin. Just about probably a month, less than two months ago, Pastor Tim mentioned of a couple that used to go to this church that moved to Colorado, young, I mean, young, 30s, I think, and he, he died unexpectedly. And he had, I think, I don't know how many kids, I got to say three or four. He had no insurance whatsoever. Now, why would a person do that? Well, number one, if I, if I understand correctly, he didn't have a job. Now, what's the first thing you give up if you don't have money coming in? It's usually your insurance. And I can understand that. You have to... Put everything in a perspective. That's why I was uh, hoping some of the younger couples would come tonight because you have to plan. And as a, uh, an old pastor of mine used to say, you live like the Lord's coming back tomorrow, but you need to plan like it's going to be 100 years because we don't know when it's going to be. And, uh, so, therefore, we need to be responsible. And, uh, by the way, this word cliche, I didn't know how to spell it, so I had to look it up in the dictionary. And I fortunately found out that it does mean something like what I said, a little word. But uh, I had to find out how to spell it. And uh, so that I've heard that cliche many times. So... You can be insurance poor. There's no question about it. And many times, agents, uh, and I'm, this might have been one of the reasons why Dave asked me, because I'm not any more actively involved, or I might try to sell you something tonight. Uh, now, don't let me give you a little example. Now, life insurance, for instance, this is a part that we all need to think about, have life insurance. Uh, I wonder if anybody knows where Warren Buffett has any life insurance. Would you think he would? Uh, I wouldn't think he would, would you? I don't think he has a need for life insurance. And he doesn't. I mean, he's probably worth more than some life insurance companies. Uh, but uh, the point is, it, it depends on your need. If you you look at what your status is, what your financial responsibilities are, and then you decide whether, do I need insurance? Now, I take you back to when I was probably at the time, I'd just been converted for about a year. I don't know, if Dave, if you remember Bob Kaiser or not? Was a wonderful, very successful insurance agent. And uh, I met him at the church I went to, and he came out to see me, wanted to sell me some life insurance. And I got to tell you, I shouldn't, well, I, won't, I won't say all of it because I know this has been recorded, but I wasn't a real big believer in insurance at that time. And uh, in the process of it, I told him that. And he said, well, let me give you a scripture. I said, Okay. So he quoted 1 Timothy 5.8. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any, if any provide not 
for his own, and especially those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, not being in the insurance business at that time, I thought, you know, he isn't talking about that at all. He's talking about, they didn't have insurance back in Timothy's day. But, you know, he was really serious. And uh, I have to say, and read as my witness, I escorted him out of the house. Not, not forcibly, but just invited him to leave. But anyway, you know, I, I can see his enthusiasm, but uh, that's not the way to sell life insurance, I don't think. But I think the really way to find out is just say, where do you stand? What are you worth? Do, do you need, what, what, how, what amount of life insurance do you need? There's two kinds of, of life insurance. There's what they call permanent insurance and term insurance. And uh, to permanent insurance is more expensive, but it depends on your philosophy. Now, if you're a person that cannot save money, that you just, you, you go from paycheck to paycheck, which I don't see anybody here who would do that. But if you do, you need to buy term insurance. Now, a young man like Joe, he could probably get half a million dollars worth of insurance for, uh, I'm just guessing, maybe $35, $40 a month. That's amazing. And if something happened to your business, Joe, if, if something happened to you, your wife could liquidate your business. She wouldn't be under pressure to do that. She'd have all this half a million dollars. But permanent insurance, normally you can't afford what you need. So what you do is you get a combination, in my opinion. You get whatever, whatever you can afford, and this depends on your age. Now, let me tell you this. Now, I don't think any of anybody here is even close to my age. But don't go shopping for insurance when you're 75 because it's, it's not a good thing. If you're going to buy permanent insurance, do it right now. And permanent insurance is a good buy if you can't, if you can't uh, save money yourself, if you can't put away money. If you can, get term insurance and invest the difference. And that's, uh, I mean, that's one of the things we learned early on. And there's two things that happens to a person. Either die too soon or you live too long. And if you die soon, you made the right decision, getting that big policy. Now, I had a, a manager of mine. Actually, he was a colleague of mine that became a manager of mine. He was a manager of mine. He purchased all permanent insurance. And he had about a million dollars worth of it. And he started back when he was probably in his uh, early 30s. Now, uh, the reason he did that, or there's several reasons he did it. He was in the insurance business, and he wanted to, uh, pardon me, he wanted to get all his people selling insurance. So he bought insurance. And being a manager, he would come up, come at the end of the year, you, 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 they have a contest you win once a year. If you sell so much insurance, you go to San Francisco or Hawaii or someplace. And uh, some of the guys that were under him would would say, hey, Gary, I, I, all I need is another 50000 What can we do? And he'd buy it from them. And he had all this insurance. And uh, he was my boss. His wife actually worked for me. And I think you remember her, Dave. Her name was Debbie, Debbie Baker. And all of a sudden, when he was 57 years old, he was younger than I was. I was older than that at the time. When he was 57, he got a brain uh, and a tumor in his brain. And he got operated on and uh, he was doing pretty good. And then he had a relapse he got operated on again, and that time he didn't last. He, he died when he was 57 years old. Now, his wife was a recipient of a million dollars worth of insurance. And it was a good thing because they had a real nice house out in uh, out west. 
And uh, she didn't have to worry about it. She could pay off her house. She had her house free and clear. And uh, so that's just one example of how it works. And it's easy to say, well, I can't afford insurance. And, you know, I went to uh, my physician. Uh, I go every year, once a year, whether I need to or not, to get a physical. And he said, uh, have you had your flu shot? I said, no. He said, do you want one? I said, no. He said, why? I said, I never get the flu. You know what he said? He says, well, I never have a wreck, but I, I, I buy car insurance. And you know what? I ended up getting a flu shot that year. <laughs> I didn't have an answer for that. But you know what? It, it, if we ask ourselves, what is right for me? And I think this is a, a family decision. I think insurance is a family decision. I don't think one person should. I think we should talk it over with our family, decide what we need, and then what we can afford, and then go from there. And I can tell you now, there is there, the, the markets is such now with insurance that it just amazes me. It's so reasonable to buy an insurance policy. And uh, it used to be very competitive. I mean, I mean, it used to be that it was either one way or the other. You know, you, you, some, some companies were just over the top, and they had a slogan that said, well, you got to buy from me because we're the best, you know. I could name some of them, but you, you know, they're all household names. But then all of a sudden they started coming out of the woodwork. And now you get on the Internet and it says, hey, punch this button here. We'll give you quotes from 10 different companies. You can take the one you want. And so there's no excuse, really, I don't think, for a person not having life insurance. You should have it. Unless, like I say, unless you're, if you don't, you, your needs are that you don't need it. And uh, sometimes you get to that point. Like, uh, I never thought I'd ever get my house paid off at one time in my life. And uh, I think I might have called you, Dave, when I had an opportunity to pay off my house. I had some extra money. What should I do? And I don't remember if it was you or not. But anyway, wh whoever it was, and it might have been Dave, said, so, well, yeah, go ahead and pay it off, and then start putting your house payment in the bank. Hey, that's a good idea. That's a no-brainer. So I started doing that. And so the, the philosophy that I have is that if you, you have to evaluate your own situation, and that's what I've done all my lifetime. And Dave and I were talking yesterday. I have to say to thank the Lord, and he's changed my mind on life insurance and on other need, uh, insurance needs. Of course, being in the business, you know, either believe in insurance or you're out to lunch. You know, you get you get in some other business. And but I, I I do believe in insurance, and I've seen a lot of people helped. And this is one of the reasons why I stayed in it so long. I really I like to help people if I can, and uh, so that's why I did that. But uh, I think I haven't talked too long, but about twenty five minutes now, and. I know that you have a, a deluge of questions for me. Well, one thing that David wanted me to talk about was claims end of insurance. Now, uh, that is, that's a good point because usually if you have a, an accident, uh, sometimes if you, you can, uh, there are companies that I know of where the agent isn't even involved in that part of it. And I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think you should be able to call your agent and he should be able to help you. But a lot of companies don't do that anymore. But claims are something that you need to have advice on from somebody that knows that it's impartial. And because I, I got to tell you that sometimes the insurance company has their well-being in mind, their, their advantage in mind. And that's why, that's why you have uh, 
lawyers on every corner because they take your case, you know, uh, and it, I, I don't say that the insurance companies try to it, it, uh, on purpose cheat you in any way, shape, or form, but you need to get some, some advice from somebody you know if you ever have a claim because there are so many aspects of how to settle claims, and there's so many uh, – what am I trying to, the word I'm trying to think of, so many uh, things that are unfamiliar, we'll say to you, as, an, as a layman. I mean, uh, when I was working in the packing house, I didn't have to spell insurance. And not alone, let alone what to do when you have a claim. And well, I, I guess I'm going to settle for what the insurance company wants to give me. Well, that's well and good, except that you need to get an outside uh, uh, opinion from somebody that you trust, because it could be that you could you could be uh, cheating yourself out a lot of money. Yes, there is. Question is. Aren't there independent adjusters around that you can hire? Yes, that's true. And that's a good idea. And you have to, because naturally, if, you, if uh, your claims person works for your company, they're going to do what is best for their company. And, and, and that's rightly so, understandably. And, and usually you don't have a complicated thing when you have an, just have a car accident. It's usually if you have an injury, and the injury is such that may later on cause problems or you might have to have an operation. And they say, well, you sign this paper and we'll give you X amount of dollars. And that might not be the thing to do. And that's the time that you can find somebody that you can trust or you can go to the independent adjuster who works just as an adjuster and is, uh, will be an arbitrator. And the, the, all companies have uh, arbitration, which is uh, natural because you, you're not going to – you're going to run into these things. And you need to have, some, have an arbitrator that is uh, not uh, biased in any way, shape, or form. And so if you ever have that, you need to do it. Did you explain Oh, Yes, I'm sorry. I did not explain term insurance. It claims permanent insurance, not term insurance. Term insurance is just what it, what it says. It, it's for a term of time. Uh, used to be, uh, when, when I first when started selling term insurance, you could only get a 10-year term, 10 years. So you pay so a certain amount of month for a certain amount of insurance for 10 years. And then what happens after 10 years? It goes up when you ch your age changes, you know. So uh, what happened because of competition, they started having 20-year term insurance. And they might even have 30 now. I don't even know. But uh, that is a, it's a good thing because when you're uh, at, at a time when you need that that if something would happen, you need that money, you could get it for a very uh, reasonable rate where the permanent insurance is sometimes maybe five, six, seven times more money. Although with, with uh, permanent insurance, and I didn't explain that right either, because permanent insurance, you build up a cash value. And uh, unfortunately, about 20 years ago, they were projecting that cash to be a certain amount, and then the bottom fell out, and those returns didn't and didn't uh, materialize, and a lot of a lot of companies got sued for that. So now they have changed that, and they're more more realistic, and they're, they're they they haven't gone out on a limb, but still that ter that permanent policy builds up a cash value, and at the end of the road you have money. Cash money. Term insurance, if it's a 10-year uh, policy and you are still alive at the end of the 
in most cases. There are some term insurance that have a little bit of cash value, but not much. Yeah, that's usually that's money down the – no, I mean it's money spent for that coverage, and that's the purpose of it. But instead of coming up with – see, if you need – like when, when we were young, I needed $50,000 worth of insurance. I could never afford $50,000 worth of permanent insurance. But I could scrape up enough to pay $50,000 term policy. But uh, uh, what happens is you, if you have term insurance, sooner or later, you're going to price yourself out of the market. But by that time, you don't, you might be able to take care of your obligations yourself. So it's, uh, but term insurance is specifically for a term of time. Ron. That's that's exactly good question, Ron. That that's a good a good thing because with most insurance policies, there are, it's not a, a taxable thing. They don't tax the returns on your or the benefits of your policy, and that's one of the big selling points of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that's that's good because there again, uh, we have uh, other things that we have to deal with in this world, like. Uh, the death tax, the, Dave knows all about that. You know, the, the ta- they tax everything. And so uh, I may be calling Larry myself. <laughs> I might get an appointment with him. Because he's, he's a lot more knowledgeable than I am on those kinds of things, on trusts and other things like that. Because I didn't really get into the, I didn't really sell a lot of, uh, of ton of life insurance when I was in the business for the simple reason that it took a lot of time to sell life insurance. It usually had to be, you had to have four or five appointments before you could sell a policy. And I kind of majored on home insurance and car insurance. I could go out to somebody's house, ride up their house and their cars and only took me an hour where uh, I had to spend all this time. I wish I would have sold life insurance now because my, my manager at the time kept telling me, you got to sell more life insurance because the life insurance that you sell, you you always get a commission on it, even after you retire. And I got to tell you, I get this little check about every three months. It's dwindling a little bit, but uh, I should have sold more life insurance. But I was I was kind of greedy, Dave. Mm-hmm. And um, I've often wondered, number one, is that enough? I guess I should do an inventory and see. But number two, if I wanted more than just a half, is it possible? Have you seen that uh, ancient document? Mm-hmm. Good question. Yeah, if you take out insurance on your house and it's uh, simple figures, it's $100,000, you get, it used to be you get 50000 Now, it's usually 75%, Dave. Yeah, so you need to check that because uh, uh, most of them are 75%. And you can get more if you want. Yeah, you can purchase more. And uh, some people have to do that, you know, that are that have, uh, say, a large amount of collections or something like that, you know. And for that, you have to have a special policy. But even for furnish, I mean, for furnishings, you can get more coverage. Good question. One, one uh, I think Bill was first here. There is exactly what you're going to ask, Noel. Yeah, uh, yeah. There used to be, it was actual value when I first started. Then they got this real. Uh, they started running into problems. Somebody'd have a fire and lose everything, and they didn't have near enough to replace what they had. So now the replacement. 
they have replacement costs on your house, plus they give you an extra 20% in most policies. Uh, in, in the event that you have a total loss, if it's got to be a total, then you then they uh, give you an extra 20%. But you can, and usually it's 75% on the on the uh, contents. Ron? Uh-huh. Yeah, umbrella is really a good thing. Uh, they never had it till about the last 10 years I was in the business. And I didn't think it was a really a big need. But, you know, the more you see these large uh, accidents, you know, where somebody sues for, that doesn't mean, when somebody sues you, don't make going to get the money. But if you have an accident, it's your fault, and that person sues you, for uh, X amount of dollars, you know, and you don't have that much. Just as an example, my brother-in-law one time, he had a little tiny accident. He, uh, he was trying to help somebody. They were stuck on a hill. He turned around to go down and help them and ran in the back of the guy. And he did help. It was a lady. She turned out suing him for $100,000 and only had him with 50000 <laughs> And I... I was his agent. I tried to tell him, you need more than fifty. No, I'll never need more than $50,000. He's a typical South Omaha guy. I don't need any more than that. And she sued him for 100000 He was sweating for a long time. She didn't win that. But uh, unfortunately, when somebody sues you, there's always that possibility that they might win. And this is why it's a good thing, Ron, to have that umbrella. What that umbrella is, is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that helps out with that too. But what it is, is just your regular policy. That's just an extension from what you have on your liability up to the maximum of your umbrella. And you can get a 4 or $5 million umbrella now. And, and it, some people need that. No, that's not an umbrella. Uh, uh, that's a good point, though. Underinsured and uninsured. Yeah. In in most auto policies, that's that's automatic nowadays. But the 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 difference is the amount that you get. Yeah, and you, if you get yeah, you get an extra amount, and it's a good thing to have that because it's usually very reasonable. I mean, when when they first come out with it, it was just a few dollars. I'm sure it's changed now a little bit. But uh, that is a good point because underinsured, like remember I mentioned the 5, 10, and 5 that they used to have? Fortunately, they don't have that anymore. But, I mean, when, when, when a person, back in those days, you know, they you could buy a car for $5,000. Now, $5,000 can't even get a clunker now, you know. So the other day, I heard about a car that went for 375000 Now, if I had that car, I'd never take it out. <laughs> but, but I never had that car anyway. But the point is, the, the, uh, un, underinsured is a common thing where you get injured. And that's, that, uh, Mary Lee, that is for bodily injury only. That's not for, yeah. So if you, but if you get hurt and that person don't have an adequate amount of insurance, your underinsured motorist comes under, uh, through the under. And then, of course, uninsured, it takes care of, it's bodily injury only. You got to remember that. It doesn't, if you have a, your car, that has to be done under your regular insurance. Ron? Yes, it will. Yes, if you don't have enough. And usually, med that comes under medical, on your medical policy. The uh, uninsured is like for injuries, but there is a medical that you have on your regular policy. Usually it's uh, now, 
started out when I was starting, it was two hundred fifty, five hundred dollars. Now it's up to twenty five, fifty thousand dollars. What that is is that medical will cover you uh, and anybody in your car, no matter what the situation, whether it's your fault or the other person's fault. And it's good to have because if if your claim is in litigation for a while, you know you you can't put off your injuries. You have to get that done. So you can get that done under your your uh, medical insurance too. Yeah, under the car. That's part of your car policy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a combination of the two. And usually uh, it's good to do it under, if you have any kind of a deductible, like on your health insurance, if you use your car insurance, there's no deductible on the medical. So you, it's good to use that for a smaller stuff, you know. That way you don't have to go through your health insurance and pay a big deductible. But uh, there's a lot of these things. I, 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 I'm glad you brought that up, Marilee. I forgot all about uninsured motors. I got it on my policy, but. Yeah, and Bill was saying about uh, what they call a catastrophic situation. You know, there's some situations like that. Nobody's, I mean, normally they don't have that kind of coverage that covers something like that. So uh, my point is this. If you're going to purchase that kind of insurance, like if you're going to have uninsured motors, get the maximum because it's always – the difference between, let's say, one hundred and three hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty and five hundred, is maybe ten or fifteen dollars. You know, so uh, if when you look at it from that standpoint, it's better to have the five hundred because if something ever happened, it's it's not likely that everything is ever going to happen. But you remember the young man that uh, last year at Step Up to Life, he was coming he was coming up here on a motorcycle from uh, to back to Omaha and was hit by a semi-truck and killed him instantly. And uh, they uh, that was a, a big settlement. Of course, fortunately, it was a, a trucking company, and they had the assets to take care of it. But if you got hit by somebody that didn't have insurance, we'll say, or had inadequate insurance, underinsured, and had a total loss like that, and you're talking about uh, how much money you're talking about when a person's Forty years old, and you're, and he's got another forty years to work, or another thirty years to work, and you you put a pencil of that, plus the medical, you know, and medical anymore. You you know how medical is. It's just going out of this uh, off the t- charts. So I don't think you can have too much in that case, Bec- and usually it's not that much money. I got to say, since I've retired, my wife has become a better insurance person than I am. Uh, And that's the truth. (laughs) Yes, Dave says she gets a commission. But Rita had a a good point that uh, 
uh, insurance is assurance that you're going to be taken care of in the t- at the particular time when you have a need. Well, not long ago, this in fact, this year, I believe it was, sometime this year, right up the street from here, a house blew up. It was right across the street from uh, from uh, Dave Monastero. Now, personally, I didn't think they were going to pay for that house because if you remember right, the reason it blew up, a guy was manufacturing firecrackers there. Now, they weren't little lady fingers. Uh, now, the reason I know that is my grandson was a personal friend of that guy, and he had given him a, a firework, and it was the size of this microphone, that big around. And he had it in his garage. My grand, I said, get rid of that thing. You know, it, it looked like it could blow up the whole garage. But the point is, that house, I didn't think it would be covered, but the insurance company covered it. I don't know under some technicality or what it was, but uh, she ended up getting money for that house. Joe? Good question, Joe. That is a good question. If somebody, if you loan your car to somebody and they had an accident, who's going to pay for it? Normally, it's going to be your your company is going to pay for it because you gave that person permission. The only and there's a disclaimer there too. If somebody steals your car, you didn't give them permission, so it's not covered. I mean, under that those circumstances. But if you give somebody permission, it's your company. And the the reason you got to think about loaning your car to somebody is when the rates go up, it's going to be you. Because usually that person, when they when they get confronted with that, they say, "Oh, I'm not paying for your rate increase. It was his fault, but he's not." So we want to be very discreet about who we loan our cars to. And uh, that's a good question, Joe. But that's the way it works. If for some reason. You didn't have insurance. He had a wreck with your car. If he had a policy, that policy would cover him. Yeah, if if you didn't have insurance, his policy would cover him even though he's driving your car. And it's the same way with you. If you're driving somebody else's car and they don't have insurance, it's going to be under yours. So you're, you, you won't be unprotected. Yes, you're right, Bill. If it was a catastrophic thing, it was $2 million. Uh, if you didn't have, if you only had a million, you're a million in the hole. Uh, usually those things, it's negotiated. Usually they don't, they usually go for the maximum that you have. They don't usually go into personal unless they think they can get it. But normally, uh, a person isn't going to have those kind of assets, so they just settle for what the maximum is. To get back to Rita's question, nursing home insurance, uh, long-term insurance. Uh, Marilee knows about that. We know about that because we just went down to see one of our good friends, Dean Frazier, down in uh, Texas, who is in a nursing home. And, you know, Dean... Uh, I used to have breakfast with Dean every Friday with a bunch of other guys. And long ago, and I, I probably when he was, he's like 82 now, probably when he was 65, he, he bought long-term insurance. And at the time, he bought a policy, and it was fairly expensive. When you're, the older you get, they you know, they try to sell it now when you're 50 or so. And you can get it uh, for a lower amount, but... Usually they have a stipulation in it where if costs go up, it goes up. You never you want to look at that because uh, I, I don't think that's a good thing myself. But anyway, Dean told me that if he never used his long-term insurance, he got his money back at the end of the road. And, he, and it, could, it could have been. I, I never seen a policy like that. It could be. 
But uh, he, he isn't going to have to worry about it now because he's in 24-hour care. And he, he has to have somebody help him all 24 hours a day. And I can't imagine what that is. I mean, but the, even just the regular, uh, if you're just an assistant, it, it have to be an assistant, it's, it's quite expensive. So, Rita, thanks for bringing it up because that's another thing you need to consider is long-term care insurance. Now, uh, I got to tell you, I don't have it. And it, it's one of those things where at my age right now, if I went to get it, I could probably get it for a, for a price, but it would be very expensive. So I have to look at the, you know, and I got, you know, Dave and I talked the other day about how the Lord takes care of you. Now, I wouldn't be able to say this if we had to, 50 or 60 people in here because not everybody would fit into the category. But all of us in this room have an insurance policy. And uh, we know that he's going to take care of us if we die. Now, and he's going to take care of us if we live. That doesn't mean, but he still wants us to be responsible. So we have to ask ourselves a question. Uh, uh, in my case, I've decided I'm not going to pay that big I probably should have bought it years ago, but you know they have it now where you it, uh, it doesn't you can't it's not a stipulated price anymore. A lot of it it just goes up with costs, and as costs go up, it's just gets uh, out of the question. So, but it is a good thing to think about. Yeah, and and normally, yeah. Her, my wife said, if if uh, if you have the assets that take care of you, you don't need it. Now, the other thing is, you never know what's going to happen. Okay, I would say, you know, if I break my leg, no problem. I got enough to take care of that. Now, if I have something really bad, like a Stroke or something like that, and I'm incapacitated, and I have to be taken care of for 20. That'd be kind of hard on Rita to do that for me, but I know she would. But it, it's just if you have it, if you're institutionalized and it costs money, it, it's a different thing. So, uh, I but we were Dave and I were talking how the Lord helps you along the way, starting out, you know, when we were kids, when you first, you remember you first got married. Any of you remember that far back? I know Noel can't remember that far back. But when you first got married, you you prioritized things, right? Like groceries and rent, and you had to have a car. And once you paid for all that stuff, how much did you have left over? You know, that's the thing. It, it's It's all relative, I believe. And I believe the Lord, the Lord wants to help us, and he has helped us from the day one. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't thank him enough for all the things he's done for me and blessed me with and helped me and provided for me and given me uh, uh, just so many blessings in my life. We were talking the other day about our kids and... Uh, Every day, without exception, I don't know if I did it today or not, but I usually raise my hand and say, Lord, thank you for my children. And we just, we spent two or three days with them when we went down to Texas. Two of them went with us. And they were talking, you know, we, we thank the Lord every day for you, Mom and Dad. So it's a two-way street. The Lord blesses us, and we try to speak and speak blessing into them. But uh, we were talking about how down through life, the Lord provides. Uh, an old preacher used to say, where God guides, he provides. And if you go where he guides you, he's gonna I believe he's going to provide for you. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I, I, that nothing's ever going to happen because, you know what? We live in an imperfect world. And I drive around the same place you do every day. But I do take the ministering angels to be with me every day and the blood covering. And I believe that God takes care of us. I've, I've, I've seen many times where I've been 
an inch away from an accident. And I, and I just say right there, Lord, thank you for delivering me from that. Sometimes it would have been my fault. Sometimes it wouldn't have. But anyway, I believe that God takes care of his children. And uh, so that's my big thing about insurance. I, uh, uh, I, I think insurance is necessary. I understand the principles of it. But I think the, the, the last thing is, or the first thing is, we need to trust him to give us direction, wisdom, to know how to deal with our personal situations and our individual situations. And that's about all I got, Davey. Oh, one more, Joe. Uh, good question, Joe. That's a good question. Uh, your your own policy does cover that, but many times what they'll do is, uh, say, if you had a little accident, you know, they have what they call uh, I forget the name of it, but it's uh, the well the well that car is out of out of uh, commission and being fixed. They have a certain amount per day that they say, this is what you owe us because we're fixing that car. Now, a lot of people don't know that. And usually, I don't personally get it most of the time. I don't rent a car that much, but I don't usually get it because my, my policy does cover that. But you got to remember, if, if a push comes to shove, legally, they can charge you for that time that that car was in the shop. And if they're doing that, they're in no big hurry to get it fixed. So you need to think of all the ramifications. Ask them about that when when you because all I mean a lot of them are different. They have a different contract. You need to ask all the questions. But that you're right. If you're driving that car, just like I said, if you're driving a friend's car. Your uh, his car, his insurance is going to cover it. But if they don't have insurance, if you didn't buy that insurance, your insurance is going to cover it. Good question. But you need to go into details because sometimes they have in a fine print a lot of things just like an insurance policy you know you're you're supposed to read your insurance policy when you get it how many of you ever done that you know oh now dave dave is an exception uh, yeah yeah i was gonna i was gonna say uh you know you're, you've got about 15 pages and it's all you know, we we uh, we rewrote our policy at our, my company about 20 years ago, and they had to send the claims people down to Kansas City to a meeting, a three-day meeting, to understand what the policy said. And I'm thinking, and we're supposed to have these people supposed to read this and understand it? Never happened. Ron. <laughs> yes, little print, little print giveth. No, big print give it, yeah. Little print take good, Ron. That's good. I you know, I never heard it put that way, but that's the truth. <laughs> Larry, uh, you're having sold a motor truck insurance policy. Um, can you give us some ideas to compare that against for example, my insurance will provide uh, a total coverage uh, I think it would cover some Well, you know what, Dave? That's a good question. But normally, uh, towing is a big thing. You know, what did you got it? Most on most of your insurance policies, you have that. If you don't, uh, you can get it for a couple bucks or something like that. You know, maybe more than that now. Now, when I first started selling the Motor Club back in 1966, you could get a membership for fifteen dollars. Uh, of course, you know, it only cost ten dollars to tow your car back in those days, but. 
they, in, I think every year that that went on, it went up. And now I just got a, 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 I get a solicitation for them every year from AAA. And it's up to the, the, the special, they have the special deluxe that, uh, I don't know, they shine your shoes or something. But anyway, you get, it costs you $95 a year. Now there again, Dave, it depends on your needs. Like now, my 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 daughter and son-in-law, Mark and Robin, they love it. Now they got two kids, and their their kids are all covered. Their cars are all covered. It used to be the only at fifteen dollar membership, you had to be in the car. If it was your wife, she's not covered unless you had to put her on there. So, but they've changed that over the years. But they love it because. Uh, just the other day they used it. My, my grandson got in an accident. But they it is good because when you call them, AAA, they're out there. You know, you call that 800 number in the middle of the night, and I don't know who you're going to get. Now, normally it is, it's good, but it, 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 they're a little, it, they do get the job done quicker because it's just, it stands to read. You see a AAA towing truck all over, around, all over. But uh, whether it's worth ninety five dollars a year, fifty seven. Yeah. Well, normally the 95 is, is, that is, I don't know what all they got. I think they give you a life insurance policy with it, too. Yeah. Well, I think we should cut this off because there's going to be a long blank in between. <laughs> uh, I I just remembered that. But no, yeah, Dave, I'm going to have to have Dave close this out and give him the excuse for why we did that. <laughs> well, there was a blank because we were discussing a proprietary uh, entity here for insurance, and we don't want to uh, we don't want to give any uh, preferential treatment to anyone. So, <laughs> one thing I would just add parenthetically is that um, there is a deduction allowed for nursing home insurance for long term care insurance, I should say. Uh, and there are there are limitations as to how much of your long-term care can be deducted each year as a medical expense. Um, and I don't have those figures readily here, but if any of you have that insurance, you want to be sure to claim it as a medical expense. Now, of course, the medical expense uh, deduction is going up to 10% of your adjusted gross income next year. So uh, we can see the handwriting on the wall. Medical expense is going to become less of a tax-deductible item all the time. Um, and so I just mentioned that parenthetically, too. And I would say this. Um, when I was a youngster, my father wanted to leave me a remembrance. And uh, in those days, permanent insurance was just quite an asset. 
And so he left me an insurance policy on myself that had built up a cash surrender value. I no longer have that. I borrowed that out at probably about age 23. But the point is this. If you have a permanent insurance policy that has a cash surrender value, if you borrow that cash surrender out, it can be taxable income to you to the extent that it exceeds what was paid in for the premiums on that permanent insurance. So when we say no insurance is generally not income taxable, it can be in that particular situation. So I just mentioned that for you. That would be the same if you had a universal life that had a cash surrender value buildup. So, well, Larry, thank you not only for the information but for your ministry. I think this was um, a testimony, too, to God's provision for all of us. And uh, so I think it was good we talked about this.